0: Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad
1: Mastery, the podcast and a video cast where we not only teach you how to make more money while traveling the world, but we teach you how to have better relationships. And that's one of my big passions as the daddy blogger. Uh, you know, I'm happily married to my lovely wife, Anne. We have three wonderful kids, Rianne, Ryan, Renzo, and we're traveling this incredible world for the last year and a half. And one of my big passions is to inspire other families, other moms, other dads, other couples, other families. To travel the world too. Uh, so, I have an amazing guest on the show here today. We're going to be talking all about how to get into a relationship, how to have an amazing relationship, how to have an amazing marriage, and how to have an amazing family married with kids. So, super excited about this topic. Uh, our guest today is actually, uh, we met through a common friend, Darren Jacqueline, DJ. Shout out to him over there in Red BC Canada who connected us. Uh, Stanley pageant Uh, so stanley is uh, based in tampa bay florida area and we are going to be talking all about how to make relationship magic he is the founder of relationship magic academy once again relationship magic academy you can check it out at relationshipmagicacademy.com he does speaking coaching consulting training workshops uh he has online courses and much more And he's super, super passionate about the area of marriages. So that's why I wanted to bring him on the show, because I want to have a better marriage. And I know a lot of our guests, uh, listeners want to have the most amazing relationship, marriage and family they can have as well. Stanley, how are you doing today, my friend?
0: Doing awesome. Good to talk to you, Ricky.
1: It is amazing to talk to you as well. So, you know, uh, I would love to get to know you a a little bit better. Before we give tips and advice, we love to hear stories. So let's hear your story, a little bit back, uh, a little bit of a backstory of yourself and about your own family and your own
0: business. Go ahead. I'd love to do that. I uh, was born in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, grew up all over the United States. My dad was a civil engineer for the federal government, so we moved about every six months, a little bit like even, maybe even more than the military. Uh, ended up in Kentucky at one point, and my dad uh, described me to his older sister at that point as Stan's only interested in two things chicks and baseball. <laughs> so between my junior and senior year of high school we moved to Montgomery, Alabama, and I met the only chick that ever has ever mattered to me since then. I met my wife about uh, a week after she turned 16 years old. Wow. We were engaged 2 months later. We got married when she was 17 and I was 18. That was 42 years ago. We have 3 children and 19 grandchildren and we have a ball. Wow you have a ball I love it I love the little play on words
1: <laughs> you got the chick you got the ball love it you got it. so uh <laughs> when did it go from you know just you and your wife you have your kids you got all these grandkids to actually turning it into a business and a training program tell us about that shift when it went from just your personal passion to making it a business to help others
0: I was uh, we got married very young so we had all of the decks stacked against us in terms of successful marriages. Statistics on teenage marriages is 90 plus percent of them fail. So we had our first child while I was in college, my second child while I was in law school, my third child while I was a young lawyer working ridiculous hours, and then started my own law firm after 10 years. So I graduated from Duke Law School in 1982, so long, long ago. <clears throat> and then we, we went through the building a business phase and then a couple of things happened that really shifted this for me, and that is our first grandson, um, he was born with a heart problem. Uh, you know, the first day that I was actually in West, in uh, Michigan working on a case, and my wife calls me and she says, we have our first grandson, and they named him after you, Brandon Stanley. And I was completely blown away and humbled by that because My, our daughter had never said a word to me about naming her son after me. And I was like floating on air. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that till about 15 minutes later. And she called again and she said, there's something wrong with the baby. They're taking him to ICU. Mm, And all of that, all that energy, all those great feelings. It's like every cell in my body turned to lead. And then about two or three hours later, I got the third phone call and she said, they think Brandon has a serious, health, a serious heart problem. They're taking him to Rainbow Children's Hospital in Salt Lake City. So I caught the next plane to Salt Lake. Uh, Brandon had open heart surgery when he was six days old, again when he was four months old, and he died in my daughter's arms when he was eight months old. Wow. So we flew him home to Florida. And I helped carry my first grandson to his grave. And I will never forget the moment that I walked into the funeral home and I saw this tiny metal casket. And I remember what it felt like to pick it up when they, we carried it out on a red velvet comforter because it was so small. And it was a beautiful fall day in Florida and I could smell it. And as we walked, I carried him from the funeral home down to the gravesite. I could hear the people crying, and I felt empty because my my little girl was hurting, and I couldn't fix it. When we move forward, fast forward seven years, we have another grandson named Austin. Austin is a force of nature. He didn't have any of Brandon's health problems. He never bothered to learn to walk. He crawled, he ran, he climbed. He was all over the place. Austin absolutely lived every moment full out. You know, a hug from Austin made everything better. Because he loved totally and unconditionally. He loved like there was no tomorrow. Because for him there wasn't. My daughter was a night nurse. She worked 7pm to 7am. So my wife would spend many of her days over taking care of the kids so she could sleep. One day she fixed lunch for the kids and she put out a bowl of grapes. Austin choked to death on a grave in front of my wife, my daughter, his two sisters, and his brother. So for the second time in our lives, a light went out. And for the second time in my life, I carried a grandson to his grave and I laid him beside his big brother. So as a lawyer, I had helped a lot of people as a, as a church member, I'd had a lot of opportunities to work with couples and teenagers and their, all of their relationship issues. And i have been helping families and business owners protect their businesses and their assets for a long time. But after losing those two boys, that just wasn't enough. I wanted to be able to help more people, protect more families. I wanted to be able to give couples the kind of love and the joy that Linda and I have shared for the last 42 years. And that's why I founded Relationship Magic Academy. And that's why I do this. I make my living as a lawyer. I don't have to do this. But this way, I have, over the course of the years, seen too much of what divorce does to children. If people say, oh, the kids will be okay, bull. It's not true. They suffer from it for the rest of their lives. So if I can, my, my mission, Ricky, is to save a million marriages in the next five years. If I can save a million marriages, I can save a lot more than a million children, and I can change generations because they will take those different patterns and they will live it, and their children will live it, and their children's children. So, that's the legacy I want to leave. I want to leave the world a better place.
1: Oh man, I'm getting emotional. You know, just uh, listening to what happened. Of course, you went through a lot of hardships, grief. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, obviously, no one can imagine that unless they've gone through it. So, I just wanted to acknowledge that. It's very powerful and heavy uh, for me as a dad, uh, not a granddad yet, but just as a dad, I can uh, empathize with what happened to you there. So thanks for sharing that. And I just wanted to also share kind of a little bit of my backstory because um, I come uh, from a child of divorce. I, uh, my parents did divorce, had a terrible marriage, and I am, um, I don't wanna say a victim, I'm a product of uh, that marriage that failed. And uh, it's, it's affected me, you know, like uh, in terms of my identity, my psychology, my broke, my inner brokenness, my sense of like uh, the splinter in my soul when my parents split. So it's been very challenging. I had a lot of fears around getting married and having you know, my own kids, repeating the mistakes of my parents. So um, this, uh, I don't want to call it an issue, but this mission that you're on resonates with me uh, on a very personal, deep inner level. And, uh, you know, every one of us who's listening and watching here today has been impacted by divorce to some degree. It might be your own divorce. It might be having parents that divorced. might be having a brother, sister, a friend, a neighbor. Uh, you know, 50% divorce rate is 50% too much. Uh, you know, I want to uh, just uh, build strong marriages as well. And I want to see the divorce rate at 0%, 0.0000% period. No sense of buts. And, uh, you know, uh, I think we do that by focusing on the marriages and building the strong marriages. So if we fight divorce by building uh, on the positive, which is marriages and families and uh, dads and moms. So, yeah, we're definitely in uh, kindred spirits here, my friend. So, Stanley, um, tell us about, um, you know, actually building up uh, this business in terms of the training, the workshops, the products, the services. Like, how did you do it? Did you just start interviewing people? Did you do research? How did you actually turn this idea of a million marriages into practical, tangible products for people?
0: It's been an evolution over time. I served as a bishop of a church for five years where I had a congregation of about 600. And I spent a lot of my time working with couples, trying to help them work through their issues. And between Linda and I's experiences and that church experience, What i found is that there are principles and practices of lasting, loving marriages that you can identify, they can be taught, and they can be learned, and they work. It's a very different outcome when you realize what you're doing, and you can make marriage conscious because a marriage is a living organism. It's either growing or dying, and this really doesn't just apply to marriages. It's any relationship that you want to be long-term. It is growing or dying all the time. And there are simple, practical things that you can do to nourish the relationship, to nourish the marriage so that it grows. I mean, how many people do you know who've been married, never really had anything terribly traumatic happen, but they simply over time grow apart? Marriage has to be intentional. You have to grow together. And people in, will tend to be much more intentional about their business or their job or their education. You've got a plan. You've got things that have to be done day to day to day to, day to make that work. Mm-hmm. And you're completely unintentional about your marriage and your relationship. And the other thing that I found that's pretty, pretty common, at least in America, the wedding culture actually sets couples up to fail. That's scary, but it's true. And think about for a minute, how much time, energy, and money are you encouraged to spend on the wedding? It's an event, it's a one day. Here's a simple ratio. Whatever amount of time, energy, and money you're going to invest in the wedding, you should invest 10 times that in the marriage before you get married. Focus on the marriage, not the wedding, you know, you, want, you don't want an event. You want a lifelong companion. Do you want one day or do you want a lifetime? It's a choice. Mm.
1: Yes, we definitely want a lifetime because you could spend – in infinite amounts of money on this one day, and end up, you know, like breaking the vows, ending up a divorce. And you see with celebrities, you know, you'll see a celebrity marriage. They'll spend lots and lots of money, and then boom, they get divorced, like a few months later, a few years later. And you know, maybe we, uh, who are non-celebrities, we do that to a smaller degree, right? Like maybe not millions of dollars for the wedding, but thousands, and then not enough time, energy, and effort into the marriage itself. So. Uh, What is your advice and tips to building a strong marriage? Like what should the husband do? What should the wife do? What should the couple do? Give us your secrets if you want to call it that.
0: Well, I'll give you some. It's easy to do shortly. Um, Everybody that's listening to this podcast has one or more electronic devices, mostly multiple. We've got cell phones, tablets. Okay, here's a great question. How many times have you been talking to your spouse or even your children And that thing you just picked up in your hand, that cell phone, rings, buzzes, beeps, dings, or vibrates. Yes. And you instantly turn your focus from them to that device. Right. What happened in that moment is the message that you communicated to your wife, to your husband, to your significant other, was that even though you didn't know what was happening on that device, whatever was happening was more important to you than they were. Think about that when you're with your children. They want you to read them a story, play a game with them, wrestle with you, sit with you, cuddle with you. And even if you start to do that, and that device goes off and you turn from them to it, you just told them, the device is more important than you are, you have to wait. Have you gone in a restaurant and you see a couple sitting across the table from each other, both of them looking down at their devices, they have that opportunity, that time and space to build their relationship. And instead, they're basically pouring poison around the roots. Why would you do that? But you have to say, I heard a speaker say this past weekend, he said, you gotta disconnect to reconnect. Mm, love it. You've got to disconnect from the electronics to reconnect with people. You know, who should be the most important relationship in your life? It's your spouse. It's your significant other. They need to feel that when they're with you, that when you're there, you are completely present. You're not distracted by the ball game or the Facebook or the Pinterest or the Instagram or the Snapchat, whatever. And there's a 100 new ones that will come up in the next 10 years. What are you going to do? Are you going to pick them or are you going to pick it? And you make that choice multiple times every day. I uh, was with with a man who was uh, doing business meeting and he said, he said, look, you guys are very, very important to me. But if my wife calls, I am taking the call because she is more important than anything that could happen in this room. I thought, wow, that's a man who's got his relationship priorities in order. She's the most. What do you think it feels like to her to know that? that if she calls, no matter what he's doing, he's gonna take her call. He just lit her up. Wow, that's what I mean to him? See, we, we convey meaning by what we do and by what we don't do. What if you just create a space in your home, maybe it's at the, at the dinner table, you say no electronics during dinner, they all go away. For parents, I will I usually advise them there needs to be an electronics basket that every electronic device goes in and it goes in your bedroom and it's locked in your room every night. What can happen on an electronic device after 10 o'clock at night that's positive for your children? Nothing. <laughs> there you go. You're a dad. You get that. That's the way it is. So those are that's a simple thing. Uh, here's one for Ladies men only have one channel. We only think about one thing at a time. (laughs) We do not get clues, ladies. If you need to communicate in clues, that's what your girlfriends are for. We don't get little clues. We don't get big clues. We don't get huge clues. We don't get clues. If you want something from your husband, from your, your man, you go and you get his undivided attention. That means you got to take out his earbuds, take away his cell phone, put, literally, put your hands on the side of his face, look him in the eye, and tell him exactly what you want. I want to go see this chick flick, and I want you to take me to Baskin Robbins. Guess what? Ninety-nine percent of the time, the answer, now if it's not the Super Bowl, the answer is, of course. Why? because we want you to be happy. When you're not happy, our life stinks, and we know it. Yes. So, bottom line, from this moment on, ladies, you have no excuse. If you don't get what you want from your man, and you didn't tell him exactly what you wanted, it's your fault. Ooh, that's scary. There's some women going, oh, wait a minute, I don't think that's right. Well, yeah, it is. You have to understand how we communicate. We want you to be happy. We want to light you up. We want to fill you up because it makes our, that's what we, that's what we get a lot of our satisfaction is just in making you happy, helping you to be happy. We can't make you do anything. Okay. Here's one for you guys. Guys, when your lady comes to you and tells you about a problem or a challenge that she had that day, she does not want you to fix it. She just wants you to listen. A, stay awake. B, pay attention. Nod, say okay. And otherwise, shut up. At the end, she's gonna say, you can say to her, honey GI, that had to be really difficult. Is there anything you'd like for me to do? And she's gonna say no, almost always. Because she already knew what the answer was. She just wanted you to hear her, validate her feelings, And she goes away thinking, what a great guy I have. Isn't it a wonderful rule where you can shut up, not have to say anything and win. Change your relationship completely. She feels heard. She feels fulfilled. And you didn't have to say anything that could possibly be stupid. Because ladies, men say stupid things. It's going to happen. Deal with it. But if you understand how each other communicates, what your real needs are, isn't it a lot easier when you like to be in a position where you can build the relationship when she's having a hard time and make it stronger instead of telling her how to fix it, solving her problem. See, we are problem solvers by nature. That's typically what we do, whether it's in our business or home, because if the car's broken, we want to fix the car. If there's something wrong, we want to fix it. You have to resist the urge to fix because she already knows if she wants your opinion, and ask for it, give it to her. If she doesn't ask for it, zip your lip. Some of the ladies are out there laughing. And some <laughs> of the guys are going, wait a minute. You, you mean, you mean all I have to do is be quiet? Right. Then, That's it, man, be quiet. I
1: love it. I love it. I can relate to so much of what you were saying. That's why I was just having a big smile on my face because I was like, man, this is so much like our marriage, our relationship. Uh, so I definitely need to listen and not give advice. My wife definitely needs Yo. to know that I am focused and, uh, you know, I need to know exactly what she wants. And, you know, there's that uh, funny Mel Gibson movie, right? What, what women want, right? Because ask men are clueless, like you said.
0: Yes. So,
1: uh, yeah, so what I want to cover is this whole area of uh, RQ. So we have something called IQ, intelligence quotient. We have something called EQ, the emotional quotient. We also have the social quotient or the relational or the MQ, the marriage quotient. So you have a quite an interesting principle equation around this. I had a chance to look at your website. So, for the sake of the people listening and watching, why didn't you explain how the RQ
0: works? Okay. It's the formula that you can break a relationship down, the caliber, the quality, the the health of a relationship into a mathematical formula. It's QR equals QQCC. QR is the quality of relationship equals. QQ is the quality of your questions that you ask yourself and your spouse times the quality of your commitments to each other Times the quality of your communications with each other, so it's a thousand-point scale. I was on a conference call with with two very successful women who uh, talk about they they have their own business, and I said, okay, guys, let me just give you the t- give me the formula because what I want you to do rate the quality of your questions, the questions you ask yourself and your companion, one to ten. Rate the quality of your communications, 1 to 10, and rate the quality of your commitment, 1 to 10. And I didn't tell them how to do the formula, do the math. Well, they each did it. And they said, "They said, now, how do we use these numbers? I said, okay, now multiply the three numbers. And one of the two, literally her face fell. And she said, I knew my relationship was in trouble, but my score was like 112. And the other lady was equally surprised, but for a different reason. She thought her relationship was really good. It was, she gave herself an eight in each of those categories. Well, you multiply that out. That's about 512. Huge room for improvement. She's like, wow, I didn't realize that there was so much more that we could have in our relationship. And then you start to look at what does it, what are the questions and how do if I improve by one in each category it changes the total score by by huge numbers can literally double the score by changing by one number so small changes in those three areas equal a huge change in the quality of the relationship and that means the joy love passion connection satisfaction fulfillment that you get from the relationship think about for a minute if you're if your wife Took that test and felt she was a t- that you guys were ten on every one of those. Think of the emotional feeling that she's got to have all the time. She's like, is there a real risk of infidelity in that kind of relationship? No. Because she is totally lit up. What's she want anybody else for? She's got everything she wants right there. Same thing for you. To feel like, hey, that's what it feels like. This this woman makes me feel like. Superman, Batman, and Spider-Man all rolled into one. <laughs> yes. Why would I want to look, talk to anybody else? This is as good as it gets. And that's really, that's where all the joy and the happiness, the fulfillment that we get as human beings comes from our relationships, the deep loving relationships. That's why we all know people have a lot of money and are completely miserable. See, if your if marriage, your relationship is joyful you can fix anything in your job or your business. Mm, right. But it doesn't matter how great your job or your business is or how much money you have. If your relationship isn't fulfilling, you're miserable. Why not have both? I mean, you teach the other stuff, the travel, the fun, you get the joy from the relationship and add it to what you're already doing. Home run, man. And you know what, even though I teach the business,
1: the entrepreneurship, the travel, my heart, soul and spirit is uh, all about the fathers, uh, the marriages and the families. And I truly believe this, no amount of success outside the home equals failure inside the home. So I got to constantly be proactive of building my own marriage with my lovely wife Anne and with my amazing kids, Rihanna and Ryan Renzo. I have to constantly nurture that and I, I Constantly have to ask myself these questions like what score and you know I could give myself like a nine out of ten. Oh Ricky, you have a nine out of ten marriage. When I ask my wife, she usually says like six, seven. I'm like man, okay, I got work to do. So honey, if you're watching this, let me know how I can make it better. Um, so in terms of like you you you're telling us how to make it better in terms of the quality questions, the commitments, the communication. So what are the questions? I mean, um, what are the questions we need to ask ourselves, our spouse, our kids? Uh, let's start with there in terms of creating this awareness and uh, this inner questioning.
0: Okay. Think about, you know, quality of your questions determines the quality of your outcomes. Let's say that somebody cut you off in traffic. Every, I, I'm pretty sure that's happened to everybody. We have some very special drivers all over the world. Right. And so there are two ways you can react, and those reactions and those emotions are based on the questions you ask yourself when that happens. How about question one is, why did that lousy so-and-so do that? Well, think about the emotion that produces. That creates a negative emotion, right? What if you just simply shift the question and say, I wonder if that guy's pregnant wife is in labor and he's on the way to the hospital. Wow. What do you feel now? You feel empathy? You feel like, wow, I hope he gets her there on time. I want her and the baby to be fine. You don't know what was going on in that car. So what you did in the first question is you made an assumption that he was just being a jerk. In the second question, your assumption was that man had a great reason for doing what he was doing. But what you just did is you managed your own emotional state. And think about if you have your kids in the car and that happens. And there are three different reactions. You can say... I'm enraged. And the woman that's there that wants to be protected by you shrinks over against the door because you just scared. her. And your two little kids in the back say, wow, this big strong man who's supposed to be my, my protector, who's my whole world. They close up because you just scared them. So not only do your words and your questions create emotions in you, create emotions in the people around you. So what if you change the reaction and you say, well, that was a little irritating. Well, your wife sits in the same place. Your children are just doing what they're doing because daddy didn't scare them. But let's change it one more time. What if your reaction is, well, that feels kind of fluffy. Fluffy. People start laughing. Well, that's funny. Daddy feels fluffy. And they're laughing. Same event. Three completely different emotions in you, three completely different emotions in the people you love and care about the most. All driven by the question that you asked yourself about why that person did it. And the, the other one is the questions we ask ourselves about ourselves on your phone. I'm betting you have hundreds of pictures of your wife and your children. That'd of be course. a fair bet. Okay. But you know, the, the most important picture that you have isn't on your phone. It's the picture you have in your heart of who you are.
1: Mm, good point.
0: The men, we tend to be better at that, realistically. We, we can be, you know, short, old, fat, bald, whatever. We think we're cool and sexy. But guess what's happening to our women and our daughters? they've been taught that if you don't look exactly this way, sound exactly this way, dress exactly this way, you're not enough. What a message. You're not enough. So the picture they have is I'm not enough. I'm not worthy to be loved. I'm not worthy to have a magical life. Let's change that picture. And it's based on the question. What can I do better? Is, Ricky, Are you ever? Gonna, have you ever done anything to aggravate your spouse?
1: Never, ever, my friend. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> never, ever.
0: I love it. Okay. and my I, <laughs> I do and, it
1: every single day, Stanley. Every single day, I do something that makes my wife angry at me. And I can't okay. figure it out. I'm That's like, what perfect. have I done wrong? But, yes, it's every day, every
0: day, every day. That's perfect because part of what she needs to learn is to ask a different question. How about the, que- if the question is, why did he do that again? <laughs> yes. What if the question was, Wow! I wonder what I could do to make his day better. What a different feeling she's now got because she managed her questions. Mm -hmm. She took control of her own thoughts and she see, there's this, we have this idea that somebody makes us mad, makes us irritated. Truth is nobody makes us anything. We choose to be whatever. See, they take action, and we either react or we respond. That, that space between their action, what happens, and how we respond, that space in the middle is called choice. We get to choose. As human beings, we have that unique ability to choose. It's a gift. It's a, it is an amazing gift. And if we, But to start with, to do that, we have to accept full responsibility, you see, we can be, no matter what the actions are, you know, if you go back to World War II, there were some people that went, came out of the Nazi concentration camps as amazing human beings. They would not let their humanity be taken from them. They chose. Every single one of us has that ability. And when we begin to tap into that and we begin to see the best in others and see the best in ourselves, we have more to give. We have a lot more to give, and there's so much you share. People grow. We're all going to have negative events. We get to be – we choose, though, whether those events turn us into victims or victors. It's always our choice.
1: It is our choice, our choice, our choice. Our choices are so, so, so powerful. Uh, So we've covered, uh, you know, this whole area of uh, having a relationship – quotient, if you want to call it that, quality relationship, quality marriage. One huge part of every marriage, you know, uh, I wasn't going to go there, but I'm going to go there, which is the sexual quotient. We need to have good, healthy, um, quality, quantity sex. And when the kids come, it decreases, you know, as a dad, as a dad, uh, yourself and me, we'll definitely relate to that. So tell us maybe some advice for quantity sex, quality sex, and how to make our sex life better as a married couple, Stanley. Okay.
0: One of the, th- those are one of the three topics that every couple should discuss before marriage, sex, money, and children. Because yes. if, if your need and desires three times a day and, and hers is one time a month, there's a problem. Uh, one of the issues that comes up though, primarily when, when you have children, partly that's being open with each other and having enough, the pillars of love are trust and respect. You have to have enough trust in each other and respect for each other to be willing to be open about what your needs are. And there's also a huge element that we we seem to lose today along with social media, and that is loyalty. Mm-hmm. So your loyalty to your spouse extends not just to being faithful physically. It means that your communications with your spouse do not get shared with your mother, your sisters, your brother-in-law, your, your friends, your neighbors. Do not get posted on Facebook or social media. Those are between husband and wife because every time that communication between the two of you is broadcast to somebody else, the level of trust that spouse has in you declines. And over time, when the trust goes down far enough and the respect goes down, the love goes away. So absolute fidelity in a marriage means that your communication as husband and wife is and remains private. Now, here's an exception. I have zero tolerance for abuse. If a woman or a man is being abused, they need to tell the appropriate authorities, they need to get help and get out. But when we're talking about the day-to-day process of living together, literally we, we negotiate every day with our spouses. But that process is private and it has to be because if, you're a, if your partner doesn't feel that they have complete ability to trust that whatever they tell you stays only with you, it's not going to be shared with your buddies over beer and your communication with your wife isn't going to be shared on social media with her friends. You've got to have the ability to trust that process. Now, the children, once children come along, what often happens is that couples priorities gets married get messed up priorities in marriage should be first whatever your own belief is in a higher power if you have one typically that relationship is you put that first priority your spouse is your second priority your children are third and everything and everybody else is fourth the problem that you have when the children come along is this is something more common to women they want to transfer their primary focus from their husband to their children. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work. you know. You, let's say you've got, you've got three children. How old are your kids? I got a little six-year-old,
1: a little four-year-old, and a
0: two-year-old. Six, four, and two. Okay. So now let's say that your six-year-old, by the time she's, the, the youngest one's 20, it is going to be 18 or 20 and really out of the house. The oldest child is now 24, 26 years old. That means that for, if your wife has made her children, the priority for a quarter of a century, Mm. you've been second, third, fourth, or fifth on her list. In in reality, the odds that you will be there for that quarter of a century are nearly zero. Mm. But what will happen is the day the last child leaves, you will too. Wow. That's powerful. You need your wife has to understand that even when the kids come along, you're first. And the kids need to understand that. Children are wonderful, but they are born manipulators of adult behavior. And this is so true. Let me think about it. What does a child do? They're fed, they're burped, they're dry, but they want to be held. They cry. And what do you do as an adult? You pick them up. Mm -hmm. They They come out instinctively knowing how to manipulate adult behavior. And guess what? They get better at it as they get older. So I sometimes describe children as they're a little bit like a blade of grass or a weed. You know, you see a crack in a sidewalk and one blade of grass comes up through it. Over time, what happens? It splits the sidewalk apart. It'll break concrete. Husband and wife have to be absolutely unified in front of their children, always. You guys have a disagreement, it gets discussed behind closed doors, not in front of the children. You guys gotta be united because they cannot learn that they can play one of you against the other. Because if they learn it, they'll do it. And that's a real problem in relationships. That's tough in first marriages where all of the children are both of your biological children. But that's one of the reasons why second marriages have an even higher divorce rate. They're 65, 75% fail. And one of the large reasons is children. Because you have, now you've got your kids her kids, my kids, our kids. And it's a complete mess. You gotta be, you've got to figure out before. That's why that that discussion about children is even more important for that second marriage. We have to decide on what are the rules, what are the disciplines. We're both going to discipline all of the kids. We're going to do it together, and it's going to be the same for all of the kids. There can't be two standards. One standard for my children, one standard for your children. It has to be the same. So that's a conversation that needs to happen before the wedding, not after. Awesome. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. So, you know, you brought up something uh, quite important, which is money. Uh, So we've talked about communication, sex. We've talked about kids. But we have yet to fully discuss money, which is obviously a huge area of stress in a couple, especially if you're paying mortgage. Uh, bills, if poor parents are working. So how do you deal with this huge, I mean, it is a huge topic that's affecting everyone nowadays is the money quotient. Tell us some tips there, how to make marriage better within the context of
0: marriage. What I I tell couples who are getting married for the first time, take the Dave Ramsey course. Dave Ramsey teaches a course on finances that identifies whether you are a saver or a spender and it teaches savers and spenders how to get along together financially. That's a great start for young couples who are getting married. It's even more important because they seem to have the myth that we're going to get married at 20, 22, 24 years old, but we're going to have the same kind of lifestyle. Our parents have created after 30, 40, 50 years of marriage. And they have these expectations financially that don't make any sense. Now, I will tell you how our marriage has worked financially, and that is I haven't carried a checkbook in 40 years. My Our system is I make it, she spends it, works for us. Now, second marriages where you already have children, and sometimes older marriages where you have couples whose kids are all gone, but they're both financially independent, it's different. It's why the, the conversation's important. But sometimes if there is advanced planning that needs to be done legally, you know, if you're going to marry somebody who's got a lot of money and they want to make sure that that money goes to their children, that planning needs to be done pre-marriage. So it's doubly important to have that conversation for that second marriage. Are there, is there any right answer to that? the answer to, for me is no. We've always only had one checking account because that's just, that's actually something that came from my childhood. I remember my mom having to ask my dad for money all the time to get groceries, to get, to do whatever. And I made a decision that my wife would never have to ask me for money. So that we've had one account, her name's on it, she has the checkbook, problem solved. But other people come are going to come at that with different backgrounds, different experiences. Sometimes it's the right answer to have a joint account and each of you have a separate account where you're... Or even in the uh, budgeting, you can have one person who says, what we're going to do in our budget, we're going to put $50 a month, $100 a month, whatever the number is based on your position, and that is your money, that's my money, that's unaccountable spending. If you want to spend it at Starbucks, you want to go to a movie, whatever you do, that money's yours, we put that in the budget so we don't have to fight about what we spend our money on. You can do that with one account, you can do that with multiple. No no, particularly right answer for that one. It's communicate about it in advance. Beautiful. So we've covered
1: a lot of territory. Uh, You know, before we close off here, is there anything major we're missing when it comes to a good marriage, any topics, any uh, issues, anything else you want to communicate before we call this interview a wrap? Uh, Give us some last minute piece of advice.
0: Well, do you want to spend just a minute on how uh, single people can attract, uh, identify and attract their ideal mate?
1: Yeah, you know, I apologize to all of our single digital nomad friends out there, or unmarried couple friends out there, and our couples without kids. You know, uh, we've been focused on marriage, obviously, on this interview, but we don't want to leave you guys out. So why don't we hear some tips on attracting your marriage partner?
0: Okay, this one uh, is—it's—I call it three lists. If you, what you find with people who are single, that they often, particularly with strong women, they go through the same failed relationship over and over and over. The guy has a different name, but it's really the same guy because strong women also often find they think they want a guy that will do whatever they tell him. And the problem is it that's only fun for a little while because ultimately a woman will not respect a man that will is a doormat. And if she doesn't respect him, she won't love him. So what I would suggest you do is it think about it in these terms. Amazon makes this easy. If you could go on Amazon tonight and order your ideal mate, height, weight, hair color, eye color, looks, likes, character, interest, intellect, humor, if you could, the more specific you were, if you knew that exactly what you put down on Amazon was going to get delivered on Monday, how specific could you be? How long would the list be? That's the list of the should-bes. Find three, maybe as many as five, that are the deal breakers, the must-be's. That's list one. List two is identify the mate from hell. Now, when I did this talk to a group of older single people, lady immediately raised her hand and said, can I just write down my ex-husband's name? No, you need to go through the process. Identify (laughs) what it was you didn't like, and then those three to five that are the deal breakers, the can't-be's might be unfaithful, might be abusive, it'll be different for everybody. What you do with the first list is you read it out loud into the mirror every day, every morning for 30 days with as much emotion as you can put in it. My husband or my wife, it will be, and read it. Because what happens is the law of attraction is that what you're focused on will be drawn toward you. So once you, you do that every day for 30 days and you put that list in your pocket of your purse, and at least once a week, you keep you pull it out and you do that same thing. You read it. The list of who you don't want, fold it up, put it in a drawer. You never need to look at it again. And then you need one more list. The third list is who do you have to be to attract the fir- the person on your first list? What will happen is they will show up in your life, but you have to be prepared for them when they do. It works. It helps you identify what you have to have to be fulfilled and what you can't have. And here's the secret to using the list. If one of your must-haves and one of your partner's can't-haves are in direct conflict, it doesn't matter how many of the others match, you will not be happy with them long-term. Easy example. If a woman's number one, I must be a mother, I must have children. And if the the man's is, I must never bring children into this horrible world, It doesn't matter how many of the other things on the list match up. They're not compatible because one of those things that you can't do or must do, those are your core values. That's who you are in your heart. And you can't give that up without becoming bitter and resentful over time. So that lets you line up and identify exactly what you need and helps you attract it to you. So if you want to attract, that helps you identify your ideal mate, And then as you work on list three, become what's needed to attract that person to you. And when it happens, you'll find somebody in the, everything will just sort of fit. It'd be very natural. And at some point you'll pull out the list number one and you go, wait a second. They, they, they check all the boxes because that's the way it works. And it lets you get rid of continuing to attract the same wrong person over and over that's my that's my story and I'm sticking to it.
1: There you go. You guys got some homework. Uh, you know, The singles got some homework, the couples, and of course, the moms and dads, the husbands and wives got some homework ahead of them. Um, so you obviously have a lot of training and support beyond the scope of this podcast. We just did an overview level in the last 45, 50 minutes, but you have a lot of advanced uh, training, uh, obviously things like coaching consulting one, speaking online courses, uh, physical courses and workshops. Tell us about them. What are all the ways that people can get support from you, Stanley?
0: Go to relationshipmagicacademy.com. Uh, there are, I will do corporate training as well because part of the issue if you're a business owner is how much productivity do you get out of your employees when they're in the middle of relationship drama none if you're a network marketer you've worked for sometimes months years finding that that couple down deep in your organization who's just exploding the business and then their marriage explodes and that whole part of the business that you've invested time money effort into just disappears what if you had some tools that you could give them point them to that would put their hold their relationship together and strengthen it think about how much more business they would create you can use the online course will be is designed for couples. Individual can take it because it will teach them things that they need to do to create a solid relationship. You can fix broken ones. There's a lot that you can do with this. And, I, you know, coaching is fun. I, I love to help people. That's really why I do this. Uh, it's just enjoyable for me. And I love to be out and speak. So if there are people out there who have stages, they're looking for speakers, let me know. Reach out to me through uh, Relationship Magic Academy. I'd love to get in contact with them.
1: There you go. You can find everything uh, at RelationshipMagicAcademy.com. I just want to urge and encourage and inspire and charge everyone to get help. If you're struggling as a single person, if you're struggling in your relationship, if you're struggling as your a husband, as a father, get help. I mean, me and my wife, you know, uh, we've got counseling, we've got support, we've done uh, trainings. We've read books about the subject, and uh, even this interview, I'm going to be watching it with my wife uh, just because I want to get our marriage to the best it can be by being the best husband, my wife being the best uh, wife, and we being the best married couple we can be for the sake of our kids and giving our kids the best possible gift, which is a healthy and a happy marriage. Stanley, uh, thank you, my friend. It was great to connect with you. Uh, I love uh, chatting with this topic uh, with fellow dads, fellow husbands, uh, our fellow entrepreneurs, and I'm definitely with you on your mission to build one million plus. It should actually be one billion, <laughs> or six. You know, I don't know how many married there are uh, people in the world. Uh, you know, we can uh, raise the ante by saying let's build one billion uh, strong marriages in the next uh, uh, in the in the course of a lifetime. So, well done, Stanley. I uh, definitely. Oh, uh, thank you and uh, wish you the best in your mission. Thank you.
0: Pleasure Ricky, thanks very much.
1: Uh, Thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode, a very unique one. You know, we don't usually talk about the subject of being a good digital nomad husband by being a good digital nomad wife. Well, there you go. We've covered this topic on our episode here today. Uh, So make sure you connect with our uh, friend Stanley at relationshipmagicacademy.com. Make sure you connect with us. Uh, all of you dads watching and listening out there, daddyblogger.com. dot and we'll catch up with you guys in the next episode. Thanks for thanks for uh, tuning in.